Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at the designery.com who's having the best uh freaking night of their life who yes for fast right yes for fast absolutely <laughs> let's get right into it let's let's hit it and quit let's get right into it all right canes game five three two overtime win and it was Jesper Foss with the game-winning goal. His second game-winning goal of the postseason. First one coming in Game 2 against the New York Islanders. It was a little bit of an up-and-down game for Jesper Foss yesterday. We saw early, early in the game. Wide open the slot. Open net. Misses it a little bit high, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Misses a little bit high. I will... Though, yes, he should, any coach, any player will say, yeah, I got to bury that. But Ryan Graves, I will say this, I'll point this out, did get a piece of the puck, which caused it to slow down a little bit and not sit flat. And that's why he got under it, and that's why it was off the toe of his blade. It didn't hit it flush. So I will say sometimes that little bit, that little bit matters. That little bit matters, Brian Murphy. <laughs> but I will say this, the man redeemed himself. And he actually had another chance there early in the first period as well on the power play. Well, I think, I think important to note, you know, he was on the power play at the end of the game in overtime. Yes. That was a power play because the the Devils, you know, shot the puck over the over the glass. Delay a game. Uh, delay a game penalty. And Faust isn't normally on the power play. Brindamore mixed and matched his number two power play unit, decided yeah. to stick Faust out there and told us in the, in the press one of the reasons he put him out there is because he gets in front of the net and he can't be moved. Yeah. And lo and behold, he was standing in front of the net, went Kokanyemi, uh, had the blast from the corner or, or from the point. It hit something on Faust. Got through the goalie, ball game over. Foss, to his credit, says maybe it's better to shoot the puck at me yeah. than pass it to me, uh, he, given the success he had in this game. He did say that. Now, Gasperi Kokaniemi, who had the assist on that, talked about the game-winning goal. And Kokaniemi was asked about, hey, is this a big opportunity or is this a big goal for Jesper Foss? And, and uh, uh, redeeming himself a little bit. Uh, you know, I think he it was pretty big relief for him, you know. I was getting a little mad on the bench, but, uh, you know, that's uh, the great, great story. Uh, great story indeed. Great story indeed uh, for Jesper Foss. All right, let's quit that and let's hit this, Brian Murphy. I hit it so good. I want to run through some numbers here for, for, for the people out there. Now, Carolina scored 24 goals in five games, which is impressive. Yeah. Which is absolutely impressive. It's ironic that the three goals they scored is the least amount of goals they scored in this entire series, even though they still lost a game. They are 7-0, and or have won seven straight overtime games in the playoffs. Seven straight, including three already this postseason. But this number, go ahead. Go ahead. I will say, this number sticks out to me the most. In yesterday's game, Carolina held the lead for zero <laughs> seconds. They did not lead once in the game. To me, that's the most impressive. I'm pretty sure there's a sermon in there uh, somewhere. <laughs> but they led the game for zero seconds. None. And they still won 3-2. to two. 
that, impressive. That overtime number the, and the fact that they've won three this postseason tells me it's a team that believes in itself. It, it yes. doesn't. It doesn't try to do too much overtime, and it outworks teams because oh, by yeah. overtime, you know your legs are getting. It just takes one mistake, and that's what happened. New Jersey. I mean, as much as we want to credit Foss and, and he deserves it all, mm-hmm. and the whole team, the, the game turned on a penalty. Yeah, on the fact that. Look, it could be a mental mistake, could be a physical mistake, could just be, you know, something happens. that happens. So it happens, right? But you shoot the puck over the glass; it's a it's an automatic penalty, no matter what time of the game it is, right? In overtime, you've got to basically take your skate off and try to stab somebody with it to get a penalty, like Happy Gilmore. Except if you shoot it over the glass, then then it's a penalty, and nobody complains because we all know that's a penalty. I remember sitting up in press row uh, next to our boss Paul, and I said. Unless it's absolutely egregious, they're not calling a penalty. Unless it's absolutely obvious, they're not calling a penalty. And then sure enough, about 10 seconds later, puck is over the glass. He goes, that's pretty obvious, uh, which which it was. And, uh, you know, kudos to Carolina for taking advantage of the opportunity because you said it before the show to me, and you thought you made a great point, was basically we got in the back half of that third period. It was, you were, it was overtime already at that point because – I didn't see another team coming back to win or at least tying the game late there in the third if, if that was the case. But Carolina, their style of play, what they do, and that team did not seem like it lost a step in overtime. Carolina didn't. They were still playing fast. They are still playing physical. And that's a shout-out to just how they always say Carolina is probably the most well-conditioned team in the NHL uh, with Bill Berniston as their strength coach and Rob Brennamore is no, no slouch either. Never was in his career. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. The man who hosts Stormwatch and Aftermath, as well as the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. You can check out the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by the Aluminum Company in North Carolina. He gives us two minutes of gold. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, boys and girls, I've got two minutes. Thanks to our friends at Dysart Willis, high stakes litigation and defense, DysartWillis.com for this. Now Code Kaniemi, top of the right circle. His shot, they score! Yes, for Faust! Ends it! Carolina going to the conference finals! The Canes win it 3-2 in overtime! Yes, that was Jesper Faust using whatever part of his body, his pants, his thigh, I don't know. He deflected Jesperi Kotkaniemi shot in at 12.51 of overtime as Rod Brindamore and company for the second time in these playoffs advance with an overtime goal. I enjoy it for them. And it's really, that's why I love about coaching. It's, I've been there and played, and so I have that. And, and now you're, you know how exciting it is as a player. Now to get to see these guys enjoy it. Oh, man, it gives me chills. Like, I, I had to play back, and I play back so I can hear the crowd. And, like, you know, we just did it in there because that's what it's about. And you see the, these guys remember that forever now. Like, Piggy's got two of them already this series or in, in these playoffs. Like, you know, 20 years, he's going to remember that. It's, it's just walking down somewhere, and he'll, you know, some might say something, and it, you never forget that. So we're stacking memories here, and they're giving them to me too. So um, it's pretty special. Jesper Foss will never buy another drink in this town. And now, without Max Pacioretty, without Andrei Svechnikov, without Tavo Teravainen, although Teravainen should be back at some point during the Eastern Conference Finals, that's where Carolina is, in spite of all the personnel deficiencies. I guess Rod Brindamore is doing something right. I don't think you can understate it, you know, with the guys we have missing and just... 
know how many teams that you miss a whole top line out would be able to kind of trudge along the way we are. And, but it says a lot to these other guys that now are getting some credit. But if you don't have them, you have no chance. And um, I'm just really proud of the group. That's, a, that's it. I mean, I'm an old guy sitting behind the bench and just watching this and enjoying watching how hard everybody's working and together, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's a great group. Yep, somehow the Hurricanes have managed to win enough games on the road, three out of five, 60%, which is basically what the rest of the league is this year on the road. And now they get to wait and see what happens with Toronto and Florida. Hey, if the Panthers win tonight in Toronto, it'll be Florida and Carolina. Rod Brindamore versus the first coach he played for with the Hurricanes, Paul Maurice. And if it's Toronto, well, it's going to take a long time to get there. So we'll just sit back, kick our feet up, maybe grab a beverage, and enjoy it. Two minutes. Thanks to our friends at Dysart Willis. Defending people the right way, DysartWillis.com. Big thanks to Adam Gold for two minutes of gold. He touched on a lot of things in there about who Carolina could play next, the Florida Panthers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Panthers can clinch that series tonight on the road in Toronto. They're up 3-1 in that series. They were up, they were up 3-0 in the series, Brian Murphy. But uh, we don't know. We just got to sit back, wait and see. And uh, we'll just got to wait until the NHL tells us when we're playing next. But it's a great spot to be in. Yeah, and you would think that you want to play the Panthers. They were the last team to get into the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah. Uh, they only had 92 points in the regular season. The Hurricanes, by contrast, had 113 so you're talking about 21-point difference in the regular season. Sure. Clearly, the Hurricanes were better. But but since January but. 1st, from January 1st to the end of the regular season, Florida Panthers, 26-15-4. That's good. Carolina Hurricanes, 28-15-3. Toronto Maple Leafs, 27-15-3. You're talking about three teams basically statistically tied in the, in the standings since January 1st. So these Panthers have been hot. They didn't, uh, you know, they were out of the playoffs at the trade deadline. You know, if the season had ended that day, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Didn't make a big deal, but but have gotten better and better. Played very well since January first. Um, when we talk about the playoffs, I don't. I, I think you could throw some of that regular season out the window, mm-hmm. given injuries, given the way teams have come together. I think whoever the Hurricanes play, it's going to be a tight, tough series. Before we quit that and hit this, my question is: We knew. In the first series against the Islanders, Canes fans, we hated Matt Martin, right? <laughs> he was a jerk. We hated Eric Holla for many reasons and valid ones, too. Who are we going to hate on the Florida Panthers? There's too many people to like, right? Former coach Paul Maurice, I mean, the Stahl the brothers. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe do we hate on Eric Stahl? Dude, I'm kidding. We're not going to hate on Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl is going to be a Canes Hall of Famer. He won a Stanley Cup here for us. I'm kidding. In all honesty, but... We all know the big Thanos, the big villain out there is the national hockey media. We all know that's flowing out there. So we all have that unified villain. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. You like that? You like that? Speaking of the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers are going to face Kirk Cousins, who you just heard a little bit later on this this coming fall. Week four, if I remember correctly, is when they face the, the Minnesota Vikings. October that, 1st. October 1st, a team that made the playoffs last season. What game are you looking forward to most on this Panther schedule? I think it's a pretty obvious one. Now, now some might say, and I'll let you pick who you want, but uh, yeah. I say November nineteenth, hosting the Cowboys at Bank of America Stadium. Really? That's what I mean. Really? America's team coming to Charlotte. 
Uh, really? Com- Carolina will be coming off a mini bye. They play the Thursday before against Chicago. Have a little bit of rest for that game. Uh, that's the. I mean, I'm looking at the home schedule. That that's the game I'm looking forward to the most. Okay, so you're looking forward to a bunch of Cowboys fans coming <laughs> into Bank of America Stadium. A bunch of Cowboys fans who'd never even stepped foot in the state of Texas. Okay, got it. All right, that's fine. They're probably all traveling up from the state of South Carolina. Anyway, game I'm looking forward to most week two Monday night football. That's the other this answer. is this is the opportunity for Carolina Bryce Young, young quarterback, to say hey to everyone else out there. We're here, we're back. In terms of yeah, y'all remember we had Cam Newton? We went to the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Hey, we're here to stay. This is this is your early showcase game. Now again, it's only game two. The team's going to evolve as the season progresses along, but. To me, that's the game I'm looking forward to most is that one for sure. Will there be more? The the day of the game may influence this, but will there be more Cowboy fans at the November 19th game in Charlotte or more Packers fans at the December 24th game in Charlotte? Cowboys fans. You think? Cowboys fans. The Packers fans travel really well. Well, Packers fans do travel well, but guess what? Their team's probably going to (laughs) stink, so you know what? There's no point in them showing up. So uh, to me, it's going to be Cowboys fans because, again, they're all going to travel up from South Carolina. Uh, because that's uh, probably where they all live. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Let's stick with the Panthers here. What's a reasonable expectation for this team this upcoming season? Rookie mini camp's going on right now. What's a reasonable expectation for this team? What do you consider to be a successful season, Brian Murphy? Uh, see, I think I'm a little bit different than you. Okay, I, I think if you win seven games. Which and, is what they did last season. And Bryce Young shows you that he is your quarterback of the future. Okay. That means he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. That means he, you know, doesn't get benched because he's thrown 25 interceptions. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you can build an offense that works with Bryce Young. I, I think that is a reasonable expectation. I think if at the end of the year you look at Bryce Young and say, that's our guy. That's our Joe Burrow. That's our, I'm trying to think of young quarterbacks that, that you know, that's our Jalen Hurts. That's our guy. We're going to build this whole thing around him, and we feel confident in that. I think if you can leave this season that way, that's a good season. This team should make the playoffs. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. This team should make the playoffs because who else in this division actually legit scares you? Does Tampa? No, they don't because Tom Brady's retired at quarterback. They've got ch- turnover in their coaching staff. A bunch of guys are gone because of salary cap issues. They're going to roll with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. At quarterback. Cool. Can't wait to see that this season. Atlanta, they're going to roll out there with a, a third-round draft pick quarterback from a couple years ago in Desmond Ritter. Now, they've made a bunch of moves. They've drafted really high in some skill positions, but what did that get them last season when they had Marcus Mariota, an experienced quarterback last season? They went, what, 6-11, and 7-10? The Saints scare you? They don't scare me. Michael Thomas can't stay healthy. Alvin Kamara's only getting older. Their defense wasn't that great. Okay, you added Derek Carr, quarterback. Eh, all right, fine. No, there's no reason why the Panthers shouldn't make the playoffs this season. Let, let me just say Vegas disagrees with you. Okay, that's fine. Let them. Because the Saints are the favorite to win the division. Okay, that's fine. The Falcons are the number two choice to win the okay, division. Okay, that's cool. The Panthers are the number three choice to win the division. Oh, yeah, what's the number? Uh, plus 350 is the best you can get. That's it? it? It's really short odds on everybody. The, the Saints are plus 125. Falcons are, are plus 260. Uh Panthers plus 350 and then the the Buccaneers everywhere from plus 900 to I mean they're they're all over the place on the Bucks cuz I don't think anyone knows really what to expect from Tampa Bay. All right, let's quit that. And let's hit this. We're going to stick to the NFL. It's a new day. Yes it is. It is a new day, but it's the same old talking points with Tom Brady 
and uh, it seems like he might buy the Commanders. I'm sorry, not buy the uh, the, the the Raiders actually. But yes, uh, yeah. Are we ever going to hear not hear Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers ever again? I don't think. I think we're stuck with these guys forever. <sighs> it's annoying. I mean, Tom Brady looking at buying a piece of the Raiders. At least that's the report out there. The the Commanders also are for sale, and it looks like Daniel Snyder has yeah, finally sold actually. Them. Yeah, Graham, hit the breaking news uh, sounder here real quick. We're actually seeing this coming through live right now. So, uh, find a little breaking news. All right, so. According to ESPN, Dan Snyder announces agreement for sale of the Commanders. All right, so he's selling to Josh Harris, who's part owner of the of the Philadelphia 76ers, as well as the New Jersey Devils, as well as a, a, as part of a larger partnership. Now he's did I forget what's his name. Uh, used to play basketball. Duke threw his name into the hat. Yeah, Brian Davis. Brian Although Davis. There's a lot of sketchiness about how much money Brian Davis actually yeah, has. Apparently offered seven billion cash, which he didn't have. Uh, which, I mean, I guess I could offer eight billion in cash um, because I don't have anything close to. 8 hey, billion you know, it almost happened to the New York Islanders. They almost got sold to somebody who didn't have the money. Uh, so that's a, a thing. But remember correctly, the number was just over six billion dollars was the initial offer. From Josh Harris, again, part owner of the 76ers, as well as the New Jersey Devils, uh, and, and this partnership group. Looks like Dan Snyder has announced the agreement to sell the Washington Commanders. A lot I know of com- a lot of Commanders fans are very happy. Well, and a lot of Commanders fans here in the area. I'm sure there many, are a lot. Of, uh, many of them have My become... My brother-in-law is one of them. Many of them become Panthers fans over the years, but, but when I was growing up here, this was... Back then, Redskins country, Commanders yeah. country. Before the, yeah, before the uh, Panthers came about. Yeah, and... What's amazing to me and my big takeaway from this is no matter how bad an owner you are, because it's really hard to be a worse owner than Daniel Snyder. That team had a waiting list for season tickets that's Allegedly. gone. Nobody, nobody comes to their games anymore. Everyone wants them gone. Nobody will build a stadium for them. Uh, he's workplace violations, NFL investigations. No matter how bad of an owner you are, owning a professional sports team is the best investment you could ever make. If you can afford it, yes. I mean, absolutely. The, the value of that team has shot up. To, you know, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure what he paid for it, but six, sevenfold at this point. And Daniel Snyder ran the team into the ground. Now gets a six billion dollar payday. He paid in 19, May of 1999 eight hundred million dollars. Right, eight hundred million, and he sells for six billion dollars, despite a tenure that was unsuccessful, unremarkable, and 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 worse was actively dragging down the league and dragging down the franchise. Oh, yeah. And he sells for $6 billion. I know Commanders fans are happy right now. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I am not a perfect man. All right, NBA playoffs underway. Obviously, uh, game six tonight between the Lakers as well as the and the Warriors. Not sure if Anthony Davis is going to play. He got hit in the head with the elbow a couple of days ago in game five. Andrew Wiggins has broken rib cartilage for the Golden State Warriors. Not sure if he's going to play or not. Uh, we also see Knicks Heat game sixes tonight as well. So a couple game sixes. Lakers and Heat lead their respective series. So the chance on home court, I almost said home ice, on their home <laughs> courts to to close out their respective series tonight. Yeah, do, do we get game six clay? I mean, that's that's the big question. Well, first of all, the big question is, is Anthony Davis going to play? Not only does he yeah. have this head problem, but but now he may have a foot injury as oh, well. Of course he does. Right. I mean, this is the problem with the Lakers, right? As built, they can go win the title, but that includes Anthony Davis and LeBron James staying healthy for this entire run, and I'm not sure anyone would be willing to bet on them staying healthy this entire run. Much, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and for the Warriors, you know, heart of a champion, 
They've won four titles. Can, can they do it again? Can, can Clay Thompson have a big game? Can Steph Curry carry this team, which is probably two players short, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you? Uh, can he carry them to a game seven? All right. One team has clinched and moved on to the conference finals, much like the Carolina Hurricanes have clinched and moved on to the conference finals. The only team to do so in the NHL, the only team now in the NBA to have, do, to have done so. Denver Nuggets on to the Western Conference Finals bounced in five games. The Phoenix Suns, I'm sorry, six games. Six the, games. The, the Phoenix Suns. This kind of goes to show you a lot of there were a lot of Canes fans at the trade deadline were up in arms about why haven't the Canes made a move? Why haven't the Canes made a big time trade? We want Timo Meyer. We want all this because we can go win a cup right now. They stayed the course, right? What do the what do the what do the Phoenix Suns do at the trade deadline? We're going to give up all of our depth and get Kevin Durant. How'd that work? It yeah, and, didn't. And Durant got hurt, you know, right after the trade. He fell on a on a, on a wet spot on the court. But, yeah. but that's part of the risk with Kevin Durant. You know, he has been injured. Chris Paul is, is up there in age. He got injured in the middle of this series. These salary cap leagues, and, and I think the NHL and the, and the NBA are very similar in this. There's only so many ways you can get better. And mm-hmm. if you're going to go get one of those top-end superstars, you're probably going to have to give up a ton of depth or a ton of your future. Yeah. And and in this case, when you get Kevin Durant, you give up a ton of depth and a ton of your future. Yep. And so the Suns are going to have to figure out, look, having Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and, and even an advanced-aged Chris Paul is a pretty good start to building a championship team. But they're going to have to put in a lot of pieces around them in order to get out of the West. And when you look at a team like Denver, again, Jokic, two-time MVP, certainly a superstar, but he's filled – Role players. There's a ton of good yeah. role players around him. Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, uh, Michael Porter Jr. They went and built up their depth this this offseason. Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They, they've got a real team and not just relying on one guy as great as Jokic has been. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real fast. That's God almighty. Sticking to basketball. You heard Roy Williams there. <laughs> uh, we got some UNC stuff going on. DeMarco Dunn. Of UNC announced he's also going to the transfer portal. Now one of seven men's basketball players to enter the transfer portal uh, for head coach Hubert Davis. Kind of surprising about how late he's actually going into the portal. You see a lot of players already make their commitments, but he said he going to the portal. Yeah, that's it. The the portal is done. You can't you can't jump in anymore. So we're right out of deadline. So we're going to hear some some last minute guys jumping in. I think uh you know two things. One, it really shows how much Carolina kind of recruited over him at the guard position. Yeah. And two, I just think this is a huge off season for Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. Um th- to have another season next year. Look, they weren't terrible last year. They just didn't meet the kind of expectations. No. And and making the NCAA tournament's kind of the baseline expectation if you're North Carolina. Um if they go through another season where they're on the bubble and, and they're not sure they're going to get in, they're they're not sure you know what kind of seed they're going to get. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about like, do we know what we're doing here? It, you know, was the run to the Final Four a fluke? And we've had three seasons of kind of mediocrity. Um, I, I think those questions will get a lot louder if if Carolina doesn't doesn't hit a home run th- 